uh, celebration of Christmas, and even in moments that are uh, of trial and tribulation and testing of our faith, it's in those moments that we can find comfort and we can find peace uh, in, in Jesus Christ. Amen? So this morning, um, I want to share, uh, we're going to read the Christmas story, a part of the Christmas story as we're uh, in this Advent season uh, approaching Christmas. And I want to share three meanings of Christmas that's found in Luke chapter 2. So uh, can we, could you bow your heads and uh, let's, let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for your gift of life and that you loved us so much that you sent your son, that anyone who believes in him and confesses him as Savior, Lord, and Christ, God, that you, through your son, have, have bridged the gap between us and yourself, and God, that we can find hope, we can find peace, we can find joy uh, in your kingdom through your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you for every single person here. God, we pray for uh, just your peace that surpasses understanding to be on the Tanoya family as they are uh, going through the loss of Angie um, and even those in our congregation who knew her. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would uh, rest upon each one. And Lord, we, we pray as we enter this Christmas season and we are looking uh, to the promises that you made as you gave your son for this world, God, that uh, you would speak to your through your word to us this morning, and that you would help us to understand your word, and not just understand your word, but to live it. And we ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 2, and this is a very familiar scripture. Um, let's, uh, if we have that up on the overhead, let's read this at the count of three. And this, this, this is recounting uh, the message of Christmas as it was delivered to the shepherds uh, on the night that uh, Jesus was in the manger. So let's, let's read this at the count of three. One, two, three. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, a lot of us are very familiar with this scripture, and I'm going to talk about three things that this, this scripture communicates in the meaning of Christmas. Number one, we are all loved and esteemed equally by God. Look at the person next to you and tell the person next to you, you are loved by God. And then, then tell the other person, and I love you too. Number two, second meaning is that Jesus is the only Savior. Everyone say Only. He is the only Savior, Christ, and Lord. And then the last thing, Jesus transforms the unlovely into something beautiful. How many of you have been transformed by the Lord? How many of you can actually see the difference that the Lord has made in the person next to you? Tell the person next to you, I'm so glad God changed you. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad God changed you. Um, number one, we are all loved and esteemed equally by God. Um, shepherds were of the lowest social class and lowly esteemed and despised by society. In, in those days in the Roman culture, uh, shepherds were not held in high esteem. Uh, they had a smell because they were always around the sheep. They weren't looked at as, uh, as people in society that um, 
that had high social status. They were, they were kind of the, the, the scum of the earth. And, and it was those people that Jesus decided to uh, first announce his coming to. Uh, let's read the scripture together in, in Luke 2, 8 through 10. 1, 2, 3. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And this is one of the messages of Christmas is that Jesus' love, his forgiveness, his grace is not just to Christians. It's not just to good-looking people. It's not just to people who are highly esteemed. But this good news is for all. Everyone say all. All people. That means the boss that you don't like. That means your enemies. That means your kids that don't clean up after themselves and don't know how to wash dishes well. That, that means your daughter that comes home from college that you have been uh, loving her whole life and doesn't want to hug you because you had COVID. That means every person that irritates you, Jesus came for them. Amen? Amen. And he loves every single one of us equally. There's not any person that God loves more than another. Just because, just because, well, so how many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? How many of you are a kid of someone? I think that's all of us, right? So, how many of you have a favorite kid? Don't raise your hand. My kids always ask me, who's your favorite kid? And I always tell them, you are. To all of them. <laughs> when, when Alexis asks me, who's your favorite? I say, you're my favorite child named Alexis. And she's like, but I'm your only child named Alexis. I'm like, yeah. And every single one of my kids, I love in a different way, right? How many of you would agree with that? That it doesn't matter what your kids have, the merits that they've received, the decisions that they make. You love all of your kids the same. And, and uh, well, I don't know. In my family, to be honest, Sharina is probably my dad's favorite. <laughs> he brags about her all the time and, you know, she's his princess. She can't do anything wrong. He's deceived. Pray for him. And, and then David is, is my mom's favorite, and it's because everybody left the house for college, and he was the only one who stayed home, so he was like her pet. So she loved him more than everyone else, and, and, and I'm God's favorite. <laughs> That's just the way it is, Sharina. So, I'm just joking. So uh, that, I'm not counter, I'm not... God loves everyone equal. God loves everyone equal. Amen? Amen. Um, God loves everyone the same, and it doesn't matter how we perform. God loves us all the same. Um, how many are, are grateful of that, that there's the story of the prodigal son, and he didn't make the right decisions, and he walked away from God? How many of you have ever felt like a prodigal son, that you walked away from the Lord, and you didn't feel his presence, you didn't feel his close, but it never affected how much the Lord loved 
his son. He loved the oldest son and the youngest son the same, despite the difference in their decisions. And I'm so glad I serve a God who loves me the same. It doesn't matter what my decisions are. I've made bad decisions. I think all of us have made bad decisions, but God's love is the same regardless. Amen? And that's the message of Christmas. It's to all men. Everyone say all men. The second thing is Jesus is the only Savior, Christ, and Lord. Everyone say only. He is the only Savior, Christ, and Lord. In the, in the, in the days of Rome, that word Savior, Christ, and Lord had very packed meanings. Savior was a term that the Roman government used to describe a government that was bringing peace, prosperity, and protection to the world. And Rome was overtaking every single country to be the one world superpower that was going to provide this peace and prosperity globally. And, and Jesus decided to enter the world during this time where they were looking for a savior that would bring these things that the human heart desires more than anything uh, to the world. And it's, it's that linguistic and that understanding that was very permanent in the, the culture of the day. Savior was a term that was used over and over again, meaning Caesar is the Savior. He is bringing peace. Everyone say peace. Prosperity and protection to the world. So it's in that setting that this scripture, the angels come and say, unto you is born this day a Savior who's Christ the Lord. Most look to man for these three things. Nothing has changed, and still, most people will look to a person for peace, prosperity, and protection. And as I was thinking through this, one thing that, I, that, that stuck out to me as I was studying this was that as we have experienced in the past two years a pandemic that has gone around the world, so many people want peace, protection, and prosperity. How many of you want sickness? How many of you want stress and division? How many of you want death? How many want the opposite of those things? That's a desire of the human heart. And so we look for that. We look for a savior in different places. And government is a place that is very natural and very human for us to look for those things. But how many know that the government, even though it promises safety and it promises protection, cannot protect you from death? How many of you in this place will die? How many of you, even though you die, yet shall you live? And is that because of a promise from the government? No, that's a promise from the true Savior. How many of you believe that the government can provide prosperity? Anyone? <laughs> Have you seen gas prices on Maui lately? How many of you believe that the government can provide peace? But all of us are looking for these things. And the good news of the Christmas season that the angel delivered to the shepherds was unto you, given to you, born this day in the city of David is a savior. And this savior is also the Christ and he's Lord. Christ 
was a term not really used by the Roman government, but by the Jews, the religious. And they were looking for a Messiah. And Christ and Messiah was the same thing. It was the anointed one. And the whole role of the Christ was to bring freedom. Galatians 5.1, it says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. The role of the Christ was to give freedom. Why? Because it's through freedom that we can choose to love. If you don't have freedom, you cannot choose to love. And so if God is love, then he's also a God of freedom. And so the true Christ brings freedom. And the last thing that, he, that Jesus is described as, Savior Christ and Lord. He's Lord. He has all authority. So not only is the, are these things promised by him, but he has the authority to, to make good on that promise. So he's Savior Christ and Lord. Um, I just want to read, because I think this is very pertinent to our situation today, but it's in the human heart to always look for a savior and to look for a savior in humanity. And this was something that Israel looked for themselves when they wanted a king. And this is from 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse 10, and it says, So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, and he will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in the day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said to us, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles." And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And so this desire for a king to go out and fight the battles, to promise protection, to promise provision, has been in the heart of humanity from the time of Scripture. But if we trust in humanity for that, there is a price to pay, and the price to pay is freedom. And so it's interesting that in Scripture it says that Jesus is the true Savior. And if you trust in Jesus as the true Savior, he's also the Christ. And what does Christ give? He doesn't take freedom. It says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And so Jesus is the Savior, the true Savior, but he's also a Christ that gives freedom. And he's a Lord that has all authority to perform that. And so for us... As believers in a different kingdom, our confession, when we say Jesus is Savior, it's actually a confession of allegiance 
to the king of a different kingdom and that he is our protector, he is our provider, he is the one who gives us peace. And when we confess that he is our true savior, then we understand that he's he's also the Christ, that he gives freedom for the purpose of loving him and loving others. And so if we understand this, then you'll understand that in the last days it talks about people going to the wrong person as a savior and what happens when people go to the wrong person for a savior. That wrong person is not the Christ, but becomes the antichrist. And what is the antichrist? He does the opposite of what the Christ does. Christ sets people free, the antichrist puts people into bondage. And so this is not just some ethereal, spiritual thing that the Bible talks about. This is physical things that have to do with world governments and our perception of who really is the Lord. And this is the, this is the, this is the, this is the truth, that who you trust to be your Savior will be your Lord. Who you trust to be your Savior will be your Lord. And so if you trust Jesus to be your Savior, he will automatically become your Lord. Just like when I grew up and I was in my parents' house, I trusted my dad to be my protector, my provider. And so because he was my protector, my provider, I had to listen to everything that he said because I lived under his roof. How many of you experienced that? How how many of you have heard that from your parents? If you're going to live under this roof, then you're going to do what I say because your parents are your protector, right? As soon as you move out, you can do whatever you want. But there's still a a savior of our lives that we determine. And whoever is our savior will also be our Lord. Amen? How many of you are under the lordship of Christ? Amen. Why don't we give God a hand? So Jesus is the only savior. Everyone say only only Savior, and he's the Christ, and he's our Lord. Number three, this is the last one. Jesus transforms the unlovely into something beautiful. (laughs) Jesus transforms the unlovely into something beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are beautiful. And that doesn't mean that they were unlovely before. It's just, they are beautiful. Um, humility is sandwiched between the promise of glory and glory revealed. I'll read that again. Humility is sandwiched between the promise of glory and glory revealed. Let's read the scripture together at the count of three. One, two, three. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then he goes on to say that unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So this angel, if you can imagine, in the field, these shepherds, this angel appears. How many of you would be freaked out if you saw, you know, a huge angel? This angel appears, delivers this message. And so this is a glorious promise that to the world, the world is going to be given a Savior, Christ, and Lord. A huge, glorious promise. And then it goes on to say, And this shall be a sign to you. How many would be waiting for like the palace and the guards and the parade and 
the, the procession that would reveal this Savior, Christ and Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is how the God of creation decided to introduce this gift to humanity, is a baby in a stinking manger. Stinking because it was actually stink. How many of you have gone to the Maui County Fair before? And how many have smelt all those animals in the farm fair part of the county? I can't stand that part of the fair. When I'm walking from the parking lot to the rides and I have to walk past that, I'm just holding my nose the entire time. And my kids, I remember when my kids were young, they, Dad, Dad, I want to go see the animals. And I'm like, oh, no. And then we would have to walk into the, the farm fair, and I would smell the manure and the stench. And then, you know, my kids would want to pet the animals, and then their hands would smell like all that gross stuff. And then the smell doesn't leave your nostrils. It just kind of stays in there, right? And you walk past the rides because you want to eat ponset, and then you buy the ponset, but as you're eating the ponset, all you can smell is the manure, right? No? I didn't like the smell, but that's how, that's how mangers are. That's how, it's, it's, it's not the most pleasant place to be. How many of you women would have wanted to give birth to your kids in a manger? Anyone? Fun fact, I had COVID, and after I was out of my quarantine for the 10 days, I was getting kind of restless, and so I cut my tree. You know, I have this overgrown tree, and I rented my, a U-Haul thing, and I dumped all the branches into the truck, and I took it to the dump, and I'm like throwing out all of the, the, the trees from the trunk, the, the trees from the back of the truck, truck, COVID brain, <laughs> throwing it all out. And then halfway through, I, I'm like, I couldn't smell anything wrong with the dump. I'm in the middle of the dump, and it smelled like haleakala fresh air. And I thought, oh, this is weird. So I went, you know, I took a deep breath, and I couldn't smell anything stink. And I thought, huh, having COVID is actually a blessing when you take stuff to the dump. And I finished, you know, taking everything out, and I thought, oh, that's, that's so weird that I couldn't smell anything. Anyway, manger. <laughs> that right now, if you drive around the neighborhood at night, you see all of these nativity scenes, and the manger has taken on the perception, we perceive the manger as something beautiful because it's a symbol of love. And it's so amazing to me that Jesus had this ability to turn things that were unlovely like a manger into something that represents beauty and hope and peace. It's the same thing with the cross. Before the cross, there's these words spoken that I'll be crucified, but on the third day I will resurrect. And then that's a glorious message, but then he goes to the cross and dies. And then from that, on the other side, he resurrects. And this cross that was this despised instrument of torture and punishment and shame 
is now hung around our necks, put on the top of churches, and esteemed as this symbol of love. Love and hope. The power of Christmas, or the meaning of Christmas, is that we serve a God who is not dependent on something to add beauty to him, but that he can touch anything that's unlovely and make it beautiful. It's such a powerful example that he comes into a place that is unlovely like a manger. He, he's born in an unlovely place, and then he dies the most horrific death and turns both of these unlovely things into things that represent beauty to us. And this is the God that we serve. And when I was reading through this, and I looked at the manger and thinking of how we perceive it, and looking at the cross and thinking of how we perceive it, I started thinking about my own life and how he did the same thing to me. And I look across this room and I, I see how God has done the same thing to many of you. That he's taken brokenness and he's taken bad choices that we've made. He's taken things that are unlovely and he's redeemed it. And through his presence living on our lives, he's turned us into something beautiful, something to be desired, something to be wanted by the King of Kings, by the Lord of Lords, by our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we can be recipients of your love and through experiencing your love and your grace, God, that you have called us to commission with you. You've commissioned us to be your hands and feet. God, we just pray that during this Christmas season, and I know there's so many things that are happening in every single one of our lives. There's people who have lost their jobs because of different things. There's people who have lost family members because of uh, COVID and this, what's been going on in our society. There's, there's so much division and different opinions about different things. But God, you have the power to touch things that are broken and to turn them into things that are beautiful. And so God, as you live in us, and as your power abides in us, God, we pray that you would use us to bring peace into every area that we enter. God, that we would bring your presence in that same power that you have to make the unlovely lovely, to make the unwanted beautiful. God, we pray that you would use us to do the same thing in every life that we encounter and every place that we go. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name, and we thank you that you've called us to be a part of your family and to represent you to this world. We thank you so much for these things. Help us not to forget the true meaning of Christmas in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Kamale has some.